Hello, dear friend, and welcome. My name is Cynthia Alice Anderson, and I'm the owner and founder of the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. I have been so honored to be able to offer these programs several days a week, and these programs I know are inspiring, they are supporting, and they are uplifting your life's journey. I want to see that continue, and I honor you for being a part of making that happen. So for over five years, we've been able to offer these programs, and we want to continue to be able to offer them. So over the next 90 days, we are raising $9,000, and that's going to get us all the way through the end of the year. So I ask you to consider taking the time to support the channel that supports you. And again, our goal that we're asking you to be a part of is $9,000 in 90 days. And we look forward to hearing from you, friend. We're honored to support your journey. And we always are lifting you in prayer for God's highest and best in your life. Blessings on the journey, dear friend. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Welcome to Healing Your Family Legacy, here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Innovative, evidence-based recovery that helps to identify intergenerational trauma, allowing for freedom and embracement of the healing process. Today, Episode 94, Resiliency Through the Holidays, Part 1. And now your host, Dr. Donna Bevanley. This is Dr. Donna Bevanley helping you heal your family legacy. Welcome back and uh, get ready for holidays. I've been talking about resilience and what that is, and I gave you some suggestions about how you can build your own resilience. You know, there are some basic um, premises that go along with that. I remember when I was in my doctoral program and I was working on my uh, the subject for my dissertation. And, you know, I did this big, like, here it is. This is going to be the thing. You know, like most doctoral students, it's my life's work. I was already, I went in, I gave it to my committee. They looked it over and said, um, you know, you got to redo this. Uh, you're starting with a whole bunch of, um, assumptions that aren't really proven, that aren't really real. And wow, that took me by surprise. But, you know, I really dug into that. Like, what kind of assumptions am I making on a daily basis? And, you know, I, I wanted to, kind of finish off this resilience thing with that kind of thinking. So follow me if you can, (laughs) see if I can. Um, And that is that one of the problems that I have noticed when it comes to building resilience, having resilience is basing, is based on the false assumptions that we all have. Okay, so you might have an assumption that if you say work hard in your life um, and you, you know, 
like save your money or whatever. It's like you, you have these assumptions. If I work hard in my life, I'm going to get ahead and I'll be able to, you know, uh, make, fulfill all my dreams if I do that. And so that idea that if I do this, this will happen is based on an assumption that is not based in reality. I have talked before about how we can make the best plans ever, but we don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know what the consequences or the results of our behavior will be. Okay, so I worked hard all my life. And all the fact of the matter is, is that I've been working since I was about three years old. And I'll be 72 pretty soon. So that's a long haul. Okay. And, you know, when I said I started working at three, we had a, a big family farm. Okay. And everybody that could walk was working on that farm. Now, I didn't hoe weeds until I was a little older, but, you know, I was out there planting with them because it was easy, especially the potato part. I'm just going to go off on this little thing. On the planting potatoes on a big farm goes like this. My grandfather's driving the tractor and he has this hoe thing and this digger hoe thing on the back of the tractor that when he goes, it makes this little trench that's about maybe 12 inches, 18 inches deep. And it goes, you know, down the line. He turns around, comes back, goes down the line. And we're all behind him in our little trenches, okay, just pushing a potato seed into the side of the trench. A three-year-old could do this, and I did, up and down the trenches, okay? And we're talking acres and acres. And then if you plant the tomato plants, you know, somebody goes and, you know, digs a little teeny hole, you place it in the hole, and they cover it up. That's how you plant potato plants. Now, this was when I was young, so, you know, might be different now. When you plant corn, you just take a little handful of corn and you throw it in the hole and then somebody covers it up. I could do that when I was three. So when I say I've been working since I was three years old, I'm really not being hyperbolic about that. It's a true story. And, you know, even when I, I learned how to drive when I was seven, I learned how to drive a truck that could haul hay. And my, I, because I was the only one there, my father who was bailing hay. And so he would line up the truck where he had to go to pick up that hay. And then he'd place me on, you know, it's a big old truck. He'd put it in what he called compound gear, put me in the driver's seat, and say, now just hold that going down the road. Just hold that. And most of the time I did pretty good, man. I, and I was, you know, kneeling on that 
I was kneeling there, holding on to that uh, steering wheel as hard as I could, and just holding it steady. <laughs> so I went from one, you know, and then when we get to the end, he'd jump into the truck, I'd jump over, he'd turn the wheel, and we'd go back the other way. And so, you know, after a while, I could do that on my own. He didn't need to jump in because I knew how to do it. And pretty soon, I was driving the truck and then driving the car. And I was seven, eight years old. That wasn't unusual and probably still isn't for farm kids. Okay? So, when I say that I worked from the time I was three years old, I'm not kidding. I'm not being hyperbolic. I also went to school. I did fairly well in school, obviously. And so, when I say that I thought if I worked hard, that I would be able to make some of my dreams come true. That, in fact, I'd be able to make all my dreams come true. <laughs> At one point in my life, my when I was quite young, I had this idea that I would work hard enough in my life that I could have my own driver. Because, geez, when you when you start driving as early as I did, after a while, it gets a little boring. Now, I've enjoyed it now that I'm a little older and I don't have to be in traffic all the time. But I never did have a driver. Did I quit working because I couldn't have a driver? No, I did not. Because I'm one of those people who happens to believe that just because I do something, I can't control the outcome. When I got pregnant, I couldn't control the outcome of that pregnancy. I couldn't control whether or not it was going to be easy or hard or if I was going to have morning sickness or if the baby would be okay. I didn't know any of that. Now, did I sit around and worry about it? No, I did not. I just, okay, I'm pregnant, going to work. I mean, that's what I did. And I took the best care of myself that I possibly could. I was already doing that before. But I continued to take the best care of myself that I possibly could. I went to whatever appointments I needed to go to. I did the, I read about it. I read how, you know, what to expect when you're pregnant. What to expect the first three months. I mean, I read it all. I studied it all. And I hoped that everything would be okay, but I knew that I didn't have control over that. I knew that I didn't have control over the outcome. And I think that's one of the reasons that I'm fairly resilient myself, is that even as a young person, I knew that I could try my really hard, I could try hardest, the hardest thing I, you know, the hardest way, but I couldn't control what would happen. Okay, so when I was at the university, I wanted to be in student government. I'd been in student government in high school. I wanted to be in student government at the university. So I figured out a way to run for office. I didn't know if I'd win, but I worked really hard to try and get people to vote for me. And well, they did. So I was in student government and, and uh, when I was at the university. Then I enjoyed it, and it paid off big time for me, and uh, I learned a lot, and that was really great. 
Did I think I, if I run, I'll win? No, I didn't think that at all. In fact, resilient people, what they do is they, they do the thing. They evaluate, what am I going to do here? And they focus on what they're doing here, here and now. If that's what they focus on. They don't think, okay, well, I'm going to do this and I've got my eye out there somewhere in the future. That's where if I'm focused on that, I will probably feel really disappointed because there I am all thinking about what it's, what it's going to be like, how it's going to happen, what's going to happen. And then I get really disappointed because most of the time, most of the time, it doesn't turn out the way you think it will. It just doesn't. Resilient people stay focused on the here and now. And they're the ones that bounce back pretty easy because they're not all overwhelmingly disappointed and thinking that somehow they got cheated or that somehow things you know, things, you people, you things out there, you know, in the world stopped them from getting what they wanted when they started out. So what resilient people do is they focus on what they're doing. They acknowledge and accept outcomes for what they are. And if they don't like it, they don't stand there and throw a hissy fit. They say, well, If I really want to have this or achieve this or whatever, I guess I'm going to have to go back and evaluate what I did, what I did wrong, what I did right, what I need to do different. And if I really want that, I'll just try again. Okay. So that's what people who have resilience do. And guess what? They don't most of the time don't have a lot of anxiety. You know, if you want to get rid of your anxiety, take your eyes off the future and focus on now. You know, and when at when I work with people in therapy and they've got anxiety, I say, "Well, you know, they come in, they go, oh God, you know, I've just got so much anxiety.'" And I say, "Well, what are you afraid of then?" And they say, "Well, no, I don't have fear. I'm." I have no fear. I I just have a lot of anxiety. I can't sleep at night. What are you thinking about when I can't sleep at night? When you can't sleep at night? Well, I'm thinking about what's going to happen at my job. I think about what's going to happen with my marriage. I think, you know, and I say, all of that is about the future. It has nothing to do with getting in bed and sleeping at night. If you want to sleep at night, you know, leave it at the door. Don't bring it to bed with you. In fact, you can leave it at the door. How about leaving it where it belongs, which is somewhere in the future that you have no control over? Because all fear, except if a fire engine is coming directly at you, all fear is about your perception about what you think is going to have happen in the future over which you have no control. Resilient people know this, and they stop having assumptions about what's going to happen in the future. They just don't. 
like I, I knew, I mean, I was hoping that I would live to retire primarily from my primary job. And, you know, I still work. I still see people in my practice. And I'm obviously doing this podcast. And pretty soon I will be coming out with the audio uh, version of my book, Iron Legacy. And so if, if many of you looked at that book and saw how long it was and all that and said, oh, I'm not going to read this book. Uh, it's going to be on audiobook pretty soon. And I'll let you know more about that when I, when I uh, discover with my uh, producer, which, you know, where you're going to be able to pick that up. It's all done now, though. So anyway, so, you know, that, resilient part of me said I was going to be able to retire someday from all this and I'm still doing some of the things I always did but I don't do it all the time now I didn't know what it would look like I didn't think about it the only thing I wanted that was really important to me was to be able to spend more time with my son and his wife and and my grandson, and I spent quite a bit of time with them. But the most important thing is that I wanted to be in nature more. I didn't want to be in my office more. I wanted to be in nature more. And I have managed to do that. Which, you know, I'm eternally grateful for. In fact, the other day when I was hiking and, you know, it had been snowing and it was bitter cold because there was a wind chill and everything where I am. Um, but I was out anyway because guess what? I know how to get warm, put lots of clothes on, put good gloves on, all that kind of stuff. So I was out in nature, you know, just, it was just beautiful, snowing and blowing and it was beautiful. And I said to, my friend that I was hiking with that day, I said, you know, I've managed to be out in nature about half of the time, maybe more than half of the time that I'm awake. And so maybe when I take my last breath, it'll be here. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? Anyway, but do I think about how that's going to happen? Not really. It just occurred to me that, well, that's a probability. Cool. So, you know, I'm pretty resilient and that that's what it is. A big part of me, it's like my brain works. My brain still functions. And so, you know, it does think about, well, I wonder what it'd be like if this happened. I wonder what it'd be like if that happened. But you'll notice that I'm saying, I wonder what would be. Not, I'm going to make this happen. I wonder what it would be like. It's kind of like, oh, well. That's creativity. And so, you know, I I need to, I really want you to think about this. Because most of the issues that people have, that people come to me with, that are not, you know, that they're really not in crisis, is what their expectations are, what their assumptions are. The expectations about what will happen 
and the assumptions that I'm basing that on, which, you know, it's like you, you can't do that. The assumption that if I work really hard, then this expectation that I'm going to get X, Y, or Z will happen. And then I do all that. And most of the time it doesn't happen because we don't have any control over what's going to happen in the future. And then we get all disappointed and depressed and angry and try and blame it on everybody. And we get all crazy with it, maybe drink about it, use drugs about it, whatever. And it's all based on these assumptions and expectations. So I want, how do you do that? You say, bring yourself back into the present. Remember I said, find six colors. Name them out loud. As you do that, focus on one that you really like in that moment. And let yourself just be there for 10 minutes or 10 seconds or whatever. And then you can feel your body and your brain calm down because you've given it something else to do. It's that simple. Don't complicate it. Or walk around wherever you are and notice how your feet fall and notice how it feels on the ground. You're back in the present. And if you're working hard, then go back to work and work hard. And just think about what you're doing, not about what you wish that would accomplish. Now, I have had, you know, dreams. I have had, oh, I wonder what would happen here. Or I wonder if I could do this. Or I wonder if I could do that. I've had that. You know, I thought, I wonder if I could climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I wonder if I could do that. So I went and tried, and I could. There were people there that could not, and they were angry at themselves and blaming other people, and it's like, come on. You can do it, or you can't do it. If you want to really do it and you didn't do it this time, you might go back and say, what went wrong? What if I if this is really important to me, what do I need to do to make this work? So, all that said, and that was a lot, is that keep it in the present. Focus on what you're doing now. Focus on thinking about what you're doing now. And the consequence will follow. Okay, whether it's a positive thing or whether it's not so positive, the consequence will follow. So when the elections happened, I wasn't glued to the TV because, well, I was out in nature. But the next morning I looked in to see who won the elections and, and there was a guy who was running, I don't even know what he was running for. It was in another state that I live in, so I wasn't that familiar with it. But he said, I gave it my best shot. My opponent won. And in this country, what we do is we concede and say, nice job, and go on our way. And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm conceding this election to him. Because he won. That's what we do. I felt so happy about that when it happened. But that's, that man 
is a resilient person. You know, he probably had some feelings about it. I mean, if you're running for election, it's rough stuff. (laughs) Okay, so he probably felt sad and maybe a little bit angry or, you know, whatever. But, you know, my guess is that he wasn't back there trying to create an insurrection. Okay, I felt relieved about that. And I thought this is how most of us think and feel. Now, if we could just get back down to that, you know, back down to that, doing it a day at a time, a minute at a time, focusing on what I need to focus on now. You know, I'm a daughter of the Golden West. And my my uh, family are all uh, Mormons. Um, and I'm actually a descendant of the Mormon pioneers a direct descendant of the Mormon pioneers. And I've read stories about my ancestors that came across the plains. They weren't thinking about, oh, let's go to Salt Lake City. Let's, you know, they weren't. They were running away, going somewhere that they thought that they could just live in peace. And uh, they came across those plains and handcarts and wagons Pregnant women walking through snow. I mean, there were a lot of people who died along the way. But you know what? They kept going anyway. They needed to find a place to be. And so every day they got up and most of them walked. I think that's probably where I get that, by the way. I will, I can walk 15. I've walked 35 miles in one day before. I, you know, I think that's, anyway. So they got up and they walked. They didn't like think about, oh, it's going to be so grand. They didn't know. They didn't know what it was going to be like. They just did it. And that's what you need to do to be a resilient person. Now, I know that Thanksgiving, Christmas, and, you know, the holidays. I love the holidays. But, you know, the holidays are coming up. And so next time we get together, I'm going to talk about how you can use those resilient skills that I hope you're building because I gave you some really simple ways to do it. How you can do tap into your resilience when you're dealing with the holidays. And so get ready, buckle up. Here they come. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healing Your Family Legacy here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com support. Healing Your Family Legacy is copyright 2022, Dr. Donna Bevanley, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.